Well, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John, John chapter 11. And I want to I give you something today. And, uh, man, I, I find myself today, I don't want to entertain you with preaching as much as I want you, I want you to get some truth today. And so John chapter number 11, oh, listen, church, whatever you do, don't miss tonight. Great day. Don't miss tonight. And I believe God's laid a very special message on my heart for the church tonight. I'm going to be preaching tonight on the subject, devils in the synagogue. Don't miss tonight, whatever you do. Don't miss tonight. This is a little different backdrop that we have up here today. And just for reference, this is uh, believed to be the, uh, the town of Bethany the Bible town of Bethany, which is just right outside of Jerusalem. If you look on a, on a Bible map, you'll notice that, uh, that Bethany and Jerusalem are just really, really close together. And uh, we're going to read about Bethany a little bit today. And so when you find your place in John chapter 11, uh, if you'll stand with us today, if you're able to stand, that is, John 11, and we're going to begin in verse number 1 today. John 11, and we're going to read down through right around verse number 15. John 11... And verse 1, and the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, a town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Interesting verse. When Jesus heard that, he said this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of, out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. And then said Jesus unto them plainly. Aren't you glad the Lord speaks to you plainly sometimes? And then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's not sleeping. He's dead. Verse 15 is our text. And the Bible says, and this is our Lord speaking, he says, And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go into him. And you may be seated tonight. And just for a few moments this morning, I want to talk, teach, preach, whatever the Lord leads us to do on this subject. I'm glad that I was not there. Or as a little subtitle there, it's this. Sometimes when God purposely does not show up. Sometimes when God purposely does not show up. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll jump right into the Bible study this morning. Father, thank you for uh, Calvary. Thank you for church. And God, we pray for every church this meeting today that the power of the Holy Spirit would be so evident in those church services. And, and Lord, that you would, Lord, that you would endow those men of God with powers. They preach your unsearchable riches. And Father, I pray that Christ Jesus would be exalted. I pray that he will be lifted up. Oh, I pray he'll become so big today. God, I pray that Jesus will increase. And I pray that we will decrease. And God, I pray all across America today and even the world, I pray that our eyes and our minds and our attention will be placed on the precious Lamb of God. Lord, I pray that you'll bless our discussion this morning. And I pray that the Word of God would come alive in our hearts and our minds. And, uh, oh God, we need your help today. I pray, Father, you'd forgive us of anything in our life that could even begin to be a hindrance. And I pray that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit of God now and use us to glorify Jesus and to be a blessing and edification to your people. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Man, did y'all hear what Jesus said? Am I understanding this right? Did Jesus Christ, who is supposed to be the epitome of love and compassion, the one that's capable of healing every affliction, he who is the power of the resurrection, did, did that one just say to his disciples, I'm glad that I wasn't there. I'm glad that I wasn't there when a friend was about to die by the name of Lazarus, and by the way, ultimately did die. When someone was sick unto death and word had come that this loved one was sick, when people were grieving, when people were in need of comforting, our Lord said, I'm glad I wasn't there. Man, I read that the other day and I thought, wow, what a statement. Why would Jesus say something like this? Let me be very careful and quick to say this, that as Jesus was talking to his disciples, he was saying this, fellas, it was better for you that I was not there. In other words, because, because I wasn't there, you're ultimately going to be better Christians one day. Because I didn't show up, you're going to get to see the miraculous power of God. And they did, by the way. We didn't read the whole story, but it's a wonderful story. And, uh, and they did see the miraculous power of God. But it's still noteworthy that Jesus said, I'm glad that I wasn't there. Hey, Calvary, you know what truth is? There are some times when the Lord chooses not to show up in our lives. Now, I, you say, Pastor, I thought he's always there. He's always there. He's promised in Hebrews never to leave us nor forsake us. He's not only an omniscient God, all-knowing, not only an omnipotent God, all-powerful, but he's an omnipresent God. He's everywhere, all at one time. And uh, we, don't, we don't understand all of that, but we believe it because the Bible teaches that. And so, yes, God is everywhere. We understand that. But, uh, but, but similar to the situation of Lazarus, we notice that there are times when the Lord Jesus Christ just doesn't show up when we think he ought to show up. 
In fact, as I begin to study this out this week, man, it's just like, how many know the Bible's fresh every time you go there? And this week, as I begin to read this story, and I've read from this story probably many, many times, and yet this week, it took on a whole, whole new light. In fact, I'm not so sure that Mary wasn't just a little upset that Jesus didn't come earlier. The Bible says in verse number 19, if, if you look at it in verse number 19, the Bible says, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, look what happened, went and met him. <laughs> but the Bible says, but Mary sat still in the house. I read that this week and I thought, man, is there a chance that maybe Mary was just a little upset? I mean, Bethany's not that far from Jerusalem. That's where Jesus was. It's just a, I mean, he could have been there in a hop, skip, and a jump. I mean, it, it's not that long away. They had, they had personally sent word to the Lord and they said, Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick and you need to come. And, and, and yet the Bible says when Jesus heard that, he abode still where he was for another two days. By the time he got to Bethany, Lazarus was sick, and, and you just got to wonder if maybe, just maybe Mary was a little bit upset because Jesus did not show up when she thought he ought to show up. The truth is today, Calvary, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves getting a little upset if God doesn't show up just when we think he ought to show up. We've prayed and prayed and prayed. We've tried to be faithful to church. We've tried to read our Bible. We, we've tried to stay faithful to prayer. We, we've, we've tried to give out a gospel track. We, we've tried to be dedicated. And then yet a, a problem comes or, a, or an issue comes into our life or, or something happens and we're praying about this certain situation and we're saying, God, I need you to show yourself. I need you to come. I need you to answer. I need you to help. I need you to heal. I need you to solve. I, Lord, I need you. And yet it seems like as we pray, it seems like the Lord never shows up and, and it doesn't answer our prayers and doesn't heal our affliction and doesn't help in our problem and doesn't meet the need sometimes it seems. And, and if we're not careful, you know what happens? We'll get a little upset and we'll get a little indifferent with God and say, God, when I needed you, you didn't come. And so I want to help us this morning. And I want to give you, if I could, what God has laid on your pastor's heart this week about some times when God purposely doesn't show up. Now, he's always with you. But there are just some times God doesn't answer your prayers. There are just some times when God doesn't answer your problems or solve your problems or heal your disease. There are some times when, when, when you've got an issue or a problem in your family and it seems like God doesn't remedy that situation. So why is it that there are times when God doesn't show up. I want to give you just four thoughts real quickly this morning. How about this? Number one, sometimes God purposely doesn't show up when a lesson needs to be taught. When a lesson needs to be taught. You say, Pastor, I don't understand that. Sure you do. If you're a parent this morning, you understand it perfectly. Absolutely. Hey, Mom and Dad, did you ever, did you ever do this? Did you ever hesitate because your children needed a lesson. Maybe you, maybe you advised them not to do something. You advised them not to go somewhere. You advised them uh, uh, away from something. And yet your kids, just because that's what kids do sometimes, they did it anyway. 
And when they went ahead and went against your counsel and they, and they went where they weren't supposed to go, they hung around those they, they shouldn't have hung around. And because of that, a problem came just like you knew it would. And when the problem came, you know what? You did not spring into action to try to bail them out right away. You know what you did? As a parent, you waited a little bit. You has, oh, it wasn't that you didn't love them. Of course you love them. You'd give your life for them. But you hesitated. You waited just a little while. You know why you did that? Because your kids disobeyed you. They didn't follow your counsel. And so in order to teach them a lesson, oh, you were planning on coming. You were planning on helping them all along. But you hesitated just for a little while. You waited just for a little bit just to teach them a lesson. Some of you know what I'm talking about when you were, you mamas, when you were going to the, to the grocery store and you had your little ones with you, and you're trying to go through your grocery list and get your grocery items and, and your kids are constantly trying to wander away. And, and, and you'll say to them, don't, don't go very far. And then you look around and they're all the way at the end of the aisle. And you're like, hey, get back here. Get back here right now. And you constantly have to get on to them and yet they constantly wander away from your presence. And you even tell them, listen, honey, there are people in here that may, may not be good people and they may try to take you away. They may try to do bad things to you. And you stay close to mom. And yet those children continued to wander away. Well, it sounds like a lot of Christians, don't it? And those little children continued to wander away. And so here's what you did. Uh, when they, one, one, one time when they finally got a pretty good little ways away, you know what you did? You sort of ducked around the end of the counter, the end of the aisle. And just waited for it to dawn on them. Mama's not here. Man, they're just bebopping around, looking at this, looking at that, having a time. And, and you know what I'm talking about with little kids? And then all of a sudden, the light bulb cuts on. And they're like, Mama, 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 Mama. And wait a minute now, here's the thing. You know what you did? You were just around the corner. You knew exactly where they were the whole time. You had your eye on them. You knew what was going on in their life. You knew that nothing ill was going to come to them. But you know what you've done? You purposely waited around the corner. You hesitated. Why? Because you wanted your children to learn a good lesson. Now, Calvary, that's all I'm saying. Did you know there are times when God doesn't show up? God doesn't answer your prayer. God didn't meet every single need right when you think you ought to meet every single need. Because God knows that a lesson needs to be taught. Hey, would you take your Bibles? I want to show you a couple illustrations today. Take your Bibles and, and turn over to Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42. We've been preaching, you know, we've been preaching about Joseph a lot here the last little bit. And Jacob. In Genesis chapter 42, what a classic illustration of the truth that I'm talking about today. We know that Joseph is a picture of Jesus. He's an Old Testament illustration of a New Testament character, and it's none other than Christ. And notice, if you will, in Genesis 42, and pick up the story in verse number 3. The Bible says, In Joseph's ten, ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. So here they are down in the world. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother Jacob, sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief, mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan, and Joseph was the governor over the land, he, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. Watch now. And Joseph's brethren came 
and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Look at the next verse. And Joseph saw his brethren. What's the next four words? And he what? And he knew them. I mean, right off the bat, he knew them. He recognized them. He knew who they were. And Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them. But look at the next line. But made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, whence come ye? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. This is my point. Did you know it was a while before Joseph uh, revealed his identity to his brothers? You understand that right off the bat, Joseph could have said, hey, fellas, it's me. It's me. I'm your brother. I'm the second leader of all the world, all of Egypt. But Joseph waited. Joseph hesitated. Why? Because Joseph knew that a lesson needed to be taught. And that's all I'm saying, church, listen to me now. You know what? When God doesn't answer your prayer just like that, on the, Johnny on the spot, when God doesn't come through for your problem right when you think he needs to come through with your problem, when God doesn't provide a bill just when you think you ought to provide a bill, don't get mad, don't get indifferent, don't get sideways with God. Just understand that there is a God who has a perfect plan and a perfect peace. And you know what? It could be that God doesn't show up just when you think he ought to show up because God knows a lesson needs to be taught. How about this? Number two, we know sometimes there, there are times when the Lord doesn't show up when a leader needs to be pushed. It may be that God, listen, I'm about to tell you this morning, it may be that God purposely has allowed you to struggle because he's trying to form you into a leader. You say, Pastor, I don't understand what's going on. It seems like the bottom fell out. And I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would come through and he's, he's just not hearing my prayer. He may be hearing your prayer. Truth is, he may, need, he may know something. He may know you need some pressure because pressure makes leaders. Now, I want you to, again, I want to use the illustration. Turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 6 this morning. Judges chapter 6. And we read about a fellow by the name of Gideon. Gideon. You say, preacher, who's Gideon? Gideon becomes one of the greatest judges of the Old Testament. But I want you to notice what happened in Gideon's life. In Judges chapter 6 and verse number 11, the Bible says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress. So he's just, you know, he's right now he's just involved in farming. By the way, nothing wrong with farming. But he's just threshing wheat. And the Bible says, And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the many nights. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, Here it is, here it is. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Would you notice Gideon's response? And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I always love that story. He said, I, I'm coming to you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? 
And where be all these miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now, here it is, but now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Listen, you know what? Gideon's right there with you. And Gideon said, Lord, I don't understand. Where's your miracles? Where's your answers to prayer? I mean, the Midianites have oppressed us and they're stealing from us and they're taking all of our provision from us. And God, it seems like that you're just not coming through. Listen to me now. But God knew something that Gideon didn't know. Gideon needed some pressure. Why? Because God was about to make an unbelievable leader in Gideon and Gideon was going to judge the people of Israel. They tell us that diamonds start out as an ugly piece of rough carbon. But as heat and pressure do its amazing work, that rough, ugly element of carbon is finally transformed into a beautiful gem. Did you know there are times when God doesn't show up right when you think he ought to show up? Because he, know, he knows a leader needs to be pushed. My daddy, when we were growing up, daddy always thought, he may be watching right now. Daddy always thought that his kids needed to learn how to swim. And he just thought that was, and I'm glad he did, by the way. And so when we were just little, daddy taught us how to swim. <laughs> Boy, those were rough times. And daddy would get out in the deep and he'd say, jump. And we'd like, daddy, he'd say, jump. Go for it, boy. Jump, jump. I'd say, Daddy, he'd say, you want a spanking? Jump. And, uh, and Daddy would make us, he'd make us jump in the deep. Not in the, not in the shallow, but the deep end. And, uh, and you, know what, you know what Dad would do? When we would jump into the deep, Dad would purposely not catch us right away. You know what we would do? Man, we would thrash. Dad, 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 Dad. Ask your question. Do you think for a half a second that my daddy didn't plan on saving us? Not even a chance. That thought never came into his mind. <laughs> he had full intentions of saving us. If he saw us going down, he knew exactly what to do. He knew exactly where we were all, at all, all times. But yet, Daddy let us thrash around just a little bit. You know why? Because he knew we needed that pressure. He wanted us to, he wanted us to learn to swim. And the best way to learn to swim, sometimes just get with it. Amen? And uh, listen, listen to me now, church. That's what I'm saying. Just because God doesn't show up right when you think you ought to show up, and God doesn't answer your prayers right when you think you ought to answer your prayers and God doesn't pay your bill just exactly when you think you ought to pay your bill and God doesn't give you a job just when you think you ought to give you a job doesn't mean that God's not there doesn't mean that God's not aware of what's going on in your life I'm telling you there is a God that has a perfect plan and a perfect purpose but it could be that God is making of you a great leader and so sometimes God does not show up when a lesson needs to be taught, when a leader needs to be pushed. Hey, how about this next thing? Number three, sometimes God doesn't show up when a limit has been reached. You don't have to turn there because I want you to turn somewhere else. Isaiah 1 verse 15, the Lord said it like this. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. I want you to take your Bibles, and we're going to be done here in just a moment. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 28. 
And again, we're just using some Bible illustrations today. 1 Samuel chapter 28. And look, if you will, please, at verse number five. This is the story of King Saul. I think Brother Brandon did King Saul on the kids' edition this week. King Saul. And how many know that, that Saul has been disobedient? God has come to him and said, Saul, this is what I want you to do. And yet Saul has disobeyed and Saul has rebelled against the Lord. Notice, if you will, in 1 Samuel chapter 28 and verse number 5, the Bible says in verse 5, and when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. Look at the next line. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not. Neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. In other words, you know what? Saul had just pushed the limit. He had just pushed God over the limit. And when Saul came to God and said, God, I need this. The Bible says that God didn't hear Saul's prayer. You know what? I, I, I thought about this on this point. I wonder, I wonder what the limit is in America. I wonder what the limit is. God sends a national, not a national, worldwide pandemic. And yet still people are determined not to put their eyes on Christ. God sends hurricanes and tropical storms months and months and months before their time. And yet still people refuse to put their eyes on the Lord. God sends disease after disease and uh, and, and God sends uh, economic hard times. And, and, and this is all I'm saying. I wonder sometimes what the limit is in America. Oh, listen, may we never push our God to the limit. Amen. Understand that, you know what, God, there is a time when God will finally say, enough is enough. And so sometimes God purposely doesn't show up. When a lesson needs to be taught, a leader needs to be pushed, a limit has been reached, and we're done. But how about this? Number four, when a loving Lord has been rejected. Take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 1, we're done. Proverbs chapter 1, and look at verse number 23 with me, if you will, church. Proverbs 1, verse number 23. And we read an admonition here. Proverbs 1, verse 23. The Lord says, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. If you'll just do what I say, and I'll bless you. I'll pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. I'll teach me your, my, my word. And then he says, because I've called and ye refused. I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel. When none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. Look, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. You know what? When a loving Lord has been rejected and rejected and spurned and spurned and cast off and pushed to the corner, that's what America's done. Sure it is. We got, so, we got so big, man, we got so big on ourselves. We thought we were so wise and so mighty. And, and so many years ago, we said, you know what, God, uh, we don't need this book in school anymore. 
So we just kicked the Bible out, and then we said, hey, we'll just kick prayer out too. And so you know what? In essence, we just told God, we said, hey, God, if we need you, we'll call you. But until we call you, don't bother us. And you know what God Almighty did? God reclined to the backdrop and said, that's fine. I'll just, I'll just go back and get out of the way for a little bit and see how you like it. When you reject and reject and reject and reject. Now, again, I, I'm going to bring this thing to a close, but I'm just telling you. And you older folks know what I'm talking about. When we were kids, you know what? You didn't have to worry about going through metal detectors when you were at school. We didn't have drug-sniffing dogs. We didn't have armed guards walking the hallways. Every redneck country boy had a pocket knife in his pocket, and nobody thought anything about it. 12-gauge shotgun in the back of his pickup truck, and nobody thought anything about it. And yet now we've got uh, our, our prisons, are, our, our schools are becoming like prisons. Why? Because we said to God, God, we don't need you. We rejected God. And I want to say to America, and I want to say to those that are watching my way of live stream today, if you don't know Christ, you better not reject any longer. Come to Christ today. Reject, reject, reject. Every year in Washington, D.C., there's something called the Correspondence or the White House Correspondence Dinner. It is, it's an event where all the national media gets together, ABC, NBC, Fox, CNN, all those main reporters that you know and many that you don't know get together for the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and it's just sort of a given that the president's coming. They usually bring in some entertainers. One of those usually is a comic of some kind of comedian, and that comedian will poke a little fun, a little innocent fun, at least that's what it was designed. That's how it originally designed. A little innocent fun at the president. I've never seen... Anybody hate a man as much as this nation seems to hate Donald Trump? I'm not preaching politics. I'm just preaching the truth this morning. And I don't, you don't need me to tell you this because you already know it's true. We have literally seen an onslaught of the media. It doesn't have to be true for them to report it. They just report it. And they have done everything in their power to try to weaken our president and pull him down. And so, when the White House correspondent dinner came, our president said, y'all have fun. I'll go somewhere and hold a rally with 10,000 people that are excited that I'm there. You know what I thought about? I thought about, that's a really good picture of how it is with the Lord. We live in a nation, in a world where this world has snubbed their nose at God and snubbed their nose at God and snubbed their nose at God. And you know what God says? All right, but when you need me, don't expect me to be there. I don't know about y'all, Calvary. Oh, I need him. I need him. I hope our pianist today, I hope our pianist today will play for the invitation. I need thee every hour. And by the way, I don't just need him every hour. I need him every second. I need him every breath. I need him every day.
I need him in my family. I need him in my home. I need him in my marriage. I need him in every part of my life. I've got to have the Lord. I want him to show up. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Lord, for those times when we got so independent that we didn't feel like we needed you. And we've rejected you day after day and month after month. God, forgive us for those times when we became a little indifferent because you didn't answer our prayer just when we thought you ought to answer our prayer. Or you didn't solve our problem exactly when we thought you ought to solve our problem. God, help us to trust you. And help us to understand that, Lord, we need you. We not only need you as a nation, we need you as a church today. God, we've got to have you. God, maybe today some leaders of some homes would make their way down to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, we've got to have you. God, if we need you in my home, Maybe some husbands and wives today would make their way to an old-fashioned altar and just come before a holy God and say, God, we've got to have you. In our marriage, we've got to have you. Maybe some moms and dads would come today and say, God, we've got to have you in our, in our child rearing. We need you, Lord. We need you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. I wonder if there might be one here anywhere today who would say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven, and I want you to pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to get you. I'm not going to do that at all. But I'd love to pray for you. And you'd say, Pastor, would you just remember me? I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. Would you pray for me today? You'd slip your hand up. Raise it real high so I don't miss you. Raise it real high. Preacher, pray for me. If I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Pray for me today. Pray for me. I want to know. I want to know. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Several have already made their way to the, made their way to the altar today. If you need to come, the altar is wide open. Maybe you're here today. You need to rededicate your life to Jesus. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. And today you need to come and make yourself a candidate to be baptized. We're getting ready to baptize very, very soon. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching body of believers. And we need to join. We thank God is leading us to join at Calvary Baptist Church, a church, whatever it might be. Why don't you come right now? We're going to be on the main floor. You come. If we can help you, we're here for you today. God bless you.
Hey, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Listen, you know what? God's doing something right now. Time's not, time's not at all late. Let's, uh, let's sort of phase out the clock for a little bit. I really believe God's doing something right now. Hey, child of God, whatever you do, don't leave this place bitter. Don't leave this place bitter. You say, I know, preacher, but I don't understand. Why did God let this happen? Why doesn't God answer my prayer? I don't understand. Well, I'm glad he maketh no mistake. You're here today. Listen, the altar's still still wide open. Folks are in the altar. If you you need help today, I'm going to invite you to come, all right? We want to help you today. We want to help you. I'm going to ask Miss Tammy, if she will, I'm going to ask her to play through one more stanza. And if if you need prayer or need some spiritual help today, I want to encourage you to come right now. While we wait, while we wait, you come today.